Now, I know you folks can't see this, but as we prepare to start the show here, my furry cat Mischief is making circles around my feet, probably because she knows we're going to talk about the cats. Hate to break it to you, Mischief, but we're going to talk a little cards, too, because our special guest was privileged to cover them both back in the day. His name is Chip Cosby. And uh, he served as a beat writer for the Lexington Herald Leader, did so for 14 years while covering both UK football and U of L basketball. So we've got more than enough to talk about on that front. Not to mention, he later hosted his very own statewide television show for several years. And now, guess what? He is a mental health specialist. So we can't possibly talk about people with well-rounded careers without talking about Mr. Chip Cosby. What inspired him to go the mental health route and what are some of his fondest memories of covering players and coaches as a beat writer? Well, let's find out right here, right now. It's Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Season 6, Episode 24. It is the last episode before Thanksgiving, and it's coming at you now. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From pool to powderly, providence to prospect, nobody covers their P's and their Q's across the Commonwealth like we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we thoughtfully and wholeheartedly explore and celebrate all people and all things Kentucky. How in the heck are you? I'm Sam Moore coming at you as per usual from the inviting and enchanting North Quail Motel in stunning Henderson KY. So honored to welcome Chip Cosby to the show today and uh, he is quite an interesting gentleman to say the least. I had the pleasure of meeting Chip Back in 2011, I tried out to be a co-host on the Kentucky Sports Television, hosted by Kentucky Sports Radio host Matt Jones. Of course, Matt is uh, concentrating on his radio show these days and uh, is no longer on TV, but uh, that was quite a fun experience auditioning because I got to meet great people, not only like Chip Cosby, but also... Uh, Matt Jones himself, Mary Jo Perino, who was uh, a former sports anchor in uh, Lexington, I believe, on LEX 18. And so uh, it was just a, a star-studded event, I guess you'd say. And uh, Drew Franklin, who's now a writer for Kentucky Sports Radio, I got to meet him during the competition as well. And so it was uh, 
a great experience for me. Have no regrets at all whatsoever. And anyhow, I uh, I always knew that if I ever started a podcast, which I eventually did, that uh, I would want Mr. Chip Cosby as one of my guests. So we're going to find out all about him and uh, his coverage of Kentucky football and the University of Louisville basketball from 1997 all the way through 2011. He did so with the Herald Leader. We'll also focus on his time at Time Warner and uh, his experience hosting his very own television show and his time as a mental health counselor. How did he prepare for that? What kind of educational background did he need to pursue and uh, how else did he uh, strengthen himself and his resume in order to tackle the needs of that current position? Well, we're going to get the answers to these and many, many other questions with Mr. Chip Cosby. So you hang out. Don't go anywhere. He is waiting in the wings, and we will get to him in mere, mere moments. But last but not least, before we get to Chip, I have a bluegrass brain buster. It's hot off the press, and it involves Chip's former employer. So anyway, we're going to give you the question now. You can think on it. While Chip and I are chatting, which we're really good at, (laughs) if we do say so ourselves, and we will get you the answer at the end of the show. But anyhow, you know, the Lexington Herald-Leader is a combination of uh, two newspapers that used to be separate. That's right, you used to have the Lexington Herald and the Lexington Leader. I want to know, in what year did these two newspapers merge to become the Lexington Herald-Leader? Again, the Herald and the Leader used to be separate entities. You used to have the uh, Lexington Herald and the Lexington Leader. I want to know, in what year did those two papers merge to become the Lexington Herald Leader? You think on that, and we will enlighten you towards the end of the program. Good luck, gang. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, I am beyond blessed to welcome... This gentleman to the show today, I met him, as I told you, uh, about 11 years ago when I tried out for Kentucky Sports Television at the time hosted by Mac Jones. I was uh, in a competition, and Chip was kind of helping make sure that things, you know, stayed afloat the way they were supposed to, and uh, the more I followed him, the more I was always impressed. He spent nearly 14 years working with the uh, Lexington Herald-Leader, covering UK football, UofL basketball. He hosted his own statewide television show for several years, and now he is a mental health counselor. So uh, what are his fondest memories of, you know, covering the cats of the cards, and uh, what inspired such a drastic career change? Well, here to answer those and many other questions, let's make welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Chip Cosby. Hey, Sam, hey. <laughs> You know, thank you for thinking of me. You know, I've I've been out of the game for a few years now, so it's 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 really flattering to know that people still, you know, remember, you know, what I did in sports media. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, thinking of me and reaching out. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. I know you've you've done a number of interviews through the years. It might feel a little different to you being the interviewee. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually enjoy it. You know, like it's a change. You know. I'm usually the one answering the questions, and you know it's 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 a, it's a nice change up to be be the subject for a change. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, 
the conversation as well. Now, many people, Chip, undoubtedly remember you most of all from your years of uh, covering sports for the Lexington Herald Leader. So talk about your earliest and, and most fond memories of playing and or following sports as a child, Chip. Well, you know, I played, I was an athlete, uh, you know, I played high school sports. Now, I wasn't any good, but I played. You know, <laughs> right. But, you know, so, um, but I was always a huge sports fan, you know, I, you know, growing up, I mean, you know, I was five years old and, you know, sitting, and I remember sitting down every morning and reading the sports page. I mean, that was really the first, the sports page was really the first thing I got excited about reading. And, um, you know, so I kind of developed a love for sports. I mean, I was a guy that I was the kid that knew all the stats from all the major teams and all the sports. And, you know, I was just really, you know, consumed by it. So, um, you know, I, I went up to UK, um, and decided to major in journalism, uh, and, you know, got an opportunity as a young, very young person to get my foot in the door at the Herald Leader, and, you know, that was really a life-changing experience for me, just, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of great experiences, you know, I mean, you know, my earliest memories, you know, I, I cut my teeth, um, as a high school reporter, I mean, I, you know, I, the first thing I really regularly covered was high school soccer, um, you know, so I was going out to soccer matches and watching, you know, some of those soccer matches, you know, they, you know, they last, they can last up to three hours if you start getting into overtime and all that, you know, penalty kicks and all that stuff. So, um, but that really, those experiences are what really got me, got my feet wet and got me used to talking to people, you know, cause I was an introvert. No. Yeah, I was. Yeah, no, people, <laughs> I really was. Um, you know, people that, you know, if you talk to anybody that knew me um, all the way up until, you know, like when I was in, in school or, you know, growing up as a younger kid, I mean, I was always kind of quiet, you know, introverted. But, you know, working in sports, I had to talk to people. I had to, you know, like, and, you know, the more you do it, the, the more comfortable you get at it. So, you know, like, and that's what I mean, you know, like the Herald Leader, like I had a lot of great experiences and memories and stories that I could tell. But the big thing is it really kind of made a man out of me because, you know, it kind of, you know, forced <laughs> me to come out of my shell a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think it was always in there. I just had really had the opportunity to, to, to bring it out. So um, oh, yeah. those early years as a sports writer really, you know, like helped me turn into the person that I am. Uh, today, so I'll always be grateful. Oh, sure. And soccer, I tell you, that's an interesting sport to cover. I know a lot of those Lexington high schools have uh, a real rich tradition in soccer, but it just seems like so much running and gunning for a two to one or three to two final score. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, I will tell you this now. Um, one thing about covering it was competitive. You know, like, oh, sure. and, like it was competitive. I mean. The, you know, all the, all those kids knew each other. They they played they play in the off season together, and they wanted to win. So uh, you know, like it, it, it taught me a lot. You know, it taught me a lot about you know just the competitive nature of covering sports. Oh yeah, you you don't want to mess with those soccer players, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, the moms, man. They, they, you don't want to get you don't want to get them mad at you. No, no, no. Now, uh, did you grow up in Lexington? No, actually, I grew up in Louisville. Uh, okay. You know, I was a Louisville, I was a Louisville kid. Uh, grew up here. Um, you know, 
my freshman year at UK was really my, you know, that, that, that's when I started to learn about Lexington. And then, of course, you know, it became my second home. Uh, you know, I spent many years, you know, um, here and have some great memories of Lexington as a, as a city. How exactly did you uh, discover your knack for writing and your interest in journalism, sir? Um, well, I, again, I, I think um, writing was just always something that came kind of natural to me. I didn't, you know, like, I was always the kid that could, you know, if, if the teacher asked me to write something, I could, you know, I could write a story, write, I could express my thoughts, and it, it wasn't a struggle for me. Um, so, you combining that with the fact that, I, you know, I grew up, you know, I've read the sports page a lot, I think I just developed somewhat of a knack for it. I mean, just a feel for it. I mean, you know, between my knowledge of sports and, you know, writing was something, you know, and I, 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 you know, I was never, I never considered myself a great writer, but it was something that came naturally to me and I, that I didn't struggle with, you know. So um, I think combining those two things, my love of sports and just, you know, my ability to write, you know, it, it was a good fit for me. It fit, you know, it fit my skill set well. Uh, and then, like I said, the, the social benefits of it, of just, you know, you, you really, it really kind of, you, like I said, you have to come out of your shell. You got to, you know, you can't be standing off in the back um, being quiet. You got to go, you got to go out there and get stories. You got to talk to people. You know, you have to ask tough questions. Um, you get pats on the back, you get people mad at you. I mean, it just covers the, I mean, you know, you pretty much, you pretty much got it all covered, um, you know, doing that. So like, like I said, I mean, it, it was, a, it was, a, you know, I was very young, but it was a great training ground for life for me. Um, and and I, I really needed that at that point in my life too. Sure. And it was, you know, it, it forced you out of your comfort zone and helped you broaden your skill set. And you, you probably have had that one or two doors slammed in your face, having chick ship. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been hung up on, cussed out, had doors slammed in my face. I mean, you name it. Oh um, gosh. But, but, but you know what though? I mean, a lot of the times when those things happen, uh, I was we were always able to patch it up. I mean, you know, I think I think the one thing that I tried to do, I tried to focus on relationships. And you know, if you if you build good relationships with people, you know, they can get mad at you. They can, you know, they can call you or email you and let off steam and get mad at you, and you know, say what they have to say. You say what you have to say, and then move on. You know, the next, you know, you just. You know, you deal with it, you talk about it, then you move on. You know, you don't hold grudges. So that I, that's why I tried to really build good relationships because I, you know, I knew there were going to be times when they were going to be mad at, at me. I might be mad at them, but I always wanted it to be a kind of relationship to where, okay, yeah, we can get mad at each other, but we'll be able to work it out and continue to work, have a good working relationship because of it. Yeah, so, and you're not going to let it haunt you for the rest of your life, so. Yeah, no, no. And that was, I think that was something that I really tried to do throughout, you know, throughout, you know, my journalism days. Sure. Now, you went to uh, UK, you majored in journalism, and you ultimately got that uh, bachelor's degree in, in 1996. So talk about uh, the uh, experience you gained uh, on or off campus that helped you thrive as a a sports writer ultimately um you know like you know college was just um you know 
I learned a lot of my journalism classes. I mean, you know, I was, uh, you know, the School of Journalism, you know, uh, Buck Ryan, Scooby Ryan. There were a lot of great, um, you know, a lot of Beth Barnes. Um, you know, there were a lot of great people over there um, who, right. who helped me along the way. Um, and it, it was a very comfortable place to be. I mean, you were surrounded by pros um, who wanted to help you. So, uh, you know, um, that was vital. And just, just, the, just the college experience in, in general. I mean, again, that's, college is where you really learn about people. You know, I think there's a, per, there's a point in our life, you know, we all live in our little bubbles uh, right. for a while. And then coming to college is kind of like, okay, now you're getting – now you're getting thrown out there into the melt pot a little bit. You know, you kind of can see see what what's out there, what the world is really like. So, sure. it, you know, it was my UK experience was important um, for that reason too. It just helped me understand how the world worked. Yeah, a lot um, of people say you learn much more in college than just your <laughs> your major of study and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you go to college to build a career. Um, you know, to, to try to prepare yourself for a career, but it also just prepares you for life, you know, how to deal with people, how to, you know, how to communicate. I mean, there's so many things, you know, that you learn um, if you do it the right way, you know. Yeah, you just got to go about it, take take the right approach. And you, you uh, wrote for the UK student newspaper too, I assume. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't do a whole lot at the Colonel. Um, you know, I was. I was never a full time staffer. Um, now, I, I I interned at the Herald Leader um, when I was in school, and then I, you know, I got a job. My first job at the Herald Leader was uh, I was a news assistant. I would come in. You know, back back in the day when the newspaper came out, when they and, and they had all the line scores in in the paper from all the like high school games. You know, yeah. I was one of the guys, I would come in and answer the phones and type in the, the high school line scores from the football and basketball games. Oh, I would do that okay. On, I would do that on Friday and Saturday nights um, while I was in school. Um, and then, you know, I did that, you know, I, I stayed there and did that. And then, you know, from there, you know, they let me write a few little articles um, and then when I graduated, there was an opening in the sports department. There was a sports, there was a sports writing opening. Um, and, you know, I think looking back on it, I think that whole, you know, after my internship, I feel like, you know, my, you know, coming in as a news assistant, um, typing in scores and then, um, you know, like then having me kind of going into writing. I think they were, you know, I think they were trying to groom me to see if I was ready, you know, like yeah. ready for, uh, um, and you know, so I graduated, and you know, I got hired in right after right after graduation, um, and you know, I stayed there. You know, was there uh, fourteen years. A lot of great people. My first real boss, uh, guy named Gene Abel, and you know, I still talk to Gene uh, regularly uh, to this day. Uh, you know, uh, he gave me my first ap- uh, opportunity. Uh, he believed in me. He's a great, and he's a great guy. You know, you know, he treats people the right way. Yeah. You know, he's a great father. You know, to his kids. So, you know, I have, and I, there are a lot. You know, I could, the list is endless. I mean, the one thing about Terrell Leader, I was surrounded by a lot of pros. Um, I was young and inexperienced and learning on the job, but I was surrounded by some some of the best, by the best of the best. 
So, you know, you can't help but learn. Yeah, um, and that made you better, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, y'all, absolutely. I, I was blessed to be able to have such great journalists around me. Because, like I said, I was young. You know, I think I had some natural ability, but I was young and inexperienced and green. So, you know, being being able to, to learn from not only people who are good at what they do, but who are willing to help you. You know, that was, I mean, that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. And it all started by plugging in high school football and basketball scores on Friday and Saturday nights. And as many high schools as there are in Lexington, gosh, I, I bet you uh, barely had time to use the bathroom during those shifts. Oh, uh, man, it, yeah, it was busy. I mean, you know, like, you know, like I said, we were getting calls from all over the state. I mean, we'd have line scores from, you know, 100 games in that. You know, so it, you know, yeah, it was it was busy, but it was fun. Cause like I said, I was a I was a stats guy, so I was I, I loved. I mean, I I enjoyed that. I mean, it was it was that was exciting to me. Yeah, and you were a sports fan, so that you know that made it <laughs> yeah. uh, icing on the cake. Now later on, you of course became a beat writer, and uh, all the while you were covering some some high school soccer, and uh, you covered some uh, high school football and basketball as a sports writer too, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, you know, uh, Mike Fields, you know, I'm talking about being, you know, being around the best of the best, uh, Mike Fields was the primary high school uh, reporter, um, and, you know, I was one of several people who on weekends would, you know, cover, you know, cover football and basketball games, um, you know, and, and, you know, it'd be myself, uh, you know, Mark Maloney um, was another guy that, you know, did some high schools, uh the late great Rick Bailey did some high school stuff, so we, you know, we, you know, we had a we had a pretty strong crew of folks, you know, out there on the high school scene, led by Mike. I mean, Mike is, you know, you know, everybody around the state knows Mike Fields and respects his work. So um, I have heard that yeah, name <laughs> plenty yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, and then the game, you know, the games were great too. I mean, high school, you know, there's there's just a there's just a purity level about high school sports that you don't get, and you know, not definitely not in pros and even college now. Um, and, and it's starting to seep seep into high schools a little bit. I think there's still there's still some level of purity with with the high school game now. I was covering high schools in the you know late nineties, early two thousand. So this, you know, that was a different era from what we had now. So that it was even more pure back then than it is now. I mean, this was before shoe companies and AAU just took over everything and, you know, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, great memories. You did UK football as a beat writer and, and and Louisville basketball. So you sort of got a a, a taste of both worlds, shall we say. Yeah, and that's that's typically how we did it. Um uh, at the uh, at the paper, the the U you know the the UK football guy would be the you know the U of L beat guy for, in basketball. Now we didn't staff U of L like we did the home games and um, like they played Cincinnati or you know and we I mean I, I traveled with them in the NCAA tournament, um, so I got to you know um, so I, I got to see some some pretty some pretty good stuff and of course UK football. I mean it was. That was never a dull moment. Uh, no, so I, I, came, I, I came in at the uh, end of the uh, How Money era and went out 
on at the end of the Rich Brooks beginning of Joker Phillips era. So right, uh, yeah. Whether the teams were good or not, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. There was a never a dull moment. So uh, talking about the coaches that you uh, covered and uh, got to know while you were uh, in the process of of being a beat writer, let's. Uh, you, you said you were uh, came in right at the end of of uh, the Hal Mummy era. So let's let's start with Hal. What are your uh, what stands out in your mind when you think about uh, the time you spent covering Hal Mummy? Well, you know, my first game uh, on the beat was that uh, that infamous Lightning game that got delayed by Lightning, I believe it was in 2000. Jared Lorenzo's first start. Oh, yeah, the uh, Louisville game. Yeah, the Louisville game, yeah. the Lightning game. Um, and, of course, that was the year that the NCAA scandal broke and, you know, Hal was out the door um, shortly after that. So, um, you know, so I only really got a year of Hal. And I know Hal, you know, Hal, um, he, by the end there, he, you know, he, he wasn't on the best of terms with a lot of the media. I mean, he went back and forth with them. Like I said, I was on, I was there a year. And honestly, I, he was, he was I never really had any issue with him. He was okay to me. I mean, I remember he, um, he agreed to he I he had me up and he wasn't really talking to a whole lot of he wasn't talking to a lot of people outside of, you know, the standard press conferences and uh he one day he had me up to his office and gave me a one on one, which, you know, for me being a young beat writer, that was a big deal. Yeah, um, that meant so, a lot, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you know, even now, you know, like he's he uh you know, he friend requested me on Facebook, um, you know, um so I don't. I really don't have any. I don't have any really bad stories about about Hal. You know, he's a. Like I said, I know he's. Uh, I, know, I know he. He's a controversial. He can be a. He, you know, he can be a, a polarizing figure with some people. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I. You know, in my experience, in my working experience with with him, I. You know, it was pretty good. I have to say that. Well, that's awesome. I know you kind of came in at a at a rough time for Hal that last year, but at least, uh, you know, at least you were on good terms and and still are now. After Hal um, was forced out, shall we say, uh, Guy Morris took over, and uh, Guy Morris seemed like he was really well liked. I never got to meet him, but everybody talked like he was a big warm fuzzy. Yeah, he was a good. He was a good guy. I mean, he was a straight shooter. You know, he was. You know. Um, just, he's just a good old boy. Uh, you know, what you see is what you get with him. Um, you know, he, and he was only, he was only the head coach for a couple of years. He, you know, after they went seven and five, um, he took the Baylor job. So I didn't really get to <clears throat> spend a lot of time with Guy. Um, you right. know, uh, but again, he was, uh, he was, he, he was a joy to work with. Um, I think he did. I think he did a, a better, you know, I, I think his, the job that he did in that, you know, in that period when they were on probation, uh, you know, I think that gets overlooked a lot. And I think they had scholarship reductions going on and everything. Um, yeah. R.T. Spinner and, you know, they were, that was a good football team. And, you know, he parlayed that into a, into a, into a job at Baylor. So, um, yeah, yeah they, he, <laughs> that was a good year, uh, seven and five. And then, of course, some. Um, you know, everybody, you, you can't think about that year without thinking about the unfortunate uh, bluegrass miracle where uh, LSU threw the Hail Mary. To... It was 75. It could have been a lot better. Um, you 
you know, but they beat Louisville. Right. Start the year, and that gave them a lot of momentum. And, you know, at the time, you know, again, they were, you know, I think they had gone 2-9 and nine the year before. So expectations were pretty much at rock bottom. So for them to, and, you know, that back at that time, at that point in time, 7-5 and five was a big deal. I mean, it was. You know, like, <laughs> yes. you know there, there were, I mean, UK, I don't have the numbers in front of me, and, you know, my memories, you know, like as, as good as I used to remember stats back in the day, I'm bad at it now. But they didn't have a whole lot of winning seasons. <laughs> no, I, mean, I can tell you that. <laughs> so for them, to, for them to win seven games in a year when they were on probation and expectations were extremely low, I, I, think, I think that's one of the more underrated, overlooked coaching jobs, you know, in UK football history that, that year with Guy Morris. Yeah, that was quite an accomplishment for Guy. Of course, we just lost him last year, I know, due yeah. to um, Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, um, yeah, I know that was that was tough. I know he, um, but I, from what I could tell, he had family and friends around him, you know, uh, at the end, and that that really just spoke to the kind of person that he was. So yeah, I spoke to how how well liked he was for sure. Now after Guy left, I'm, you know, we had the the uh, coach come in that you probably got to know. In fact, I know you got to know most most of all of you know more than other UK football coaches because he was there for uh, seven years, uh, the same you know seven of the same years that you were the the beat writer. That was Mister Rich Brooks. Yeah, uh, you know the funny thing. Um, I remember. Okay, so it was the U- UK and U of L had just. UK and Louisville just played in basketball. I think it was it was either it was it was the holidays. I can't remember if it was Christmas or New Year's. Uh-huh. But it you know, like it was UK and U of L played in basketball at Freedom Hall. Um, there were bowl games on, so I covered the UK U of L basketball game, and we were all sitting there waiting, you know, for the announcement, you know, like on the coach. I mean, Barnhart had kept it, you know, he had kept it pretty pretty tight lips throughout the coaching search so you know we had heard some names um i remember sitting in a restaurant after um after the U of L uk basketball game and cbs breaks in they break the story um uh, brooks's daughter carrie was a was a camera was a camera woman for cbs sports so you know she of course she she gave they broke the story and it was like rich brooks Kentucky has hired Rich Brooks. I turned around and looked at looked at uh, the person I was eating with, and I was like, "Who?" <laughs> Rich Brooks. I mean, because he. I mean, his. There have been a lot of names thrown out there. Um, during and Rich Brooks was not one of you know, like it was under the radar. I mean, at least you know, you know, the people I was talking to, you know, now. Um, I think now Rob Mullen, I think he was an Oregon guy. I think there was an Oregon connection on the, uh, you know, that was one of Barnhart's guys had some Oregon ties. So I think that's how that whole thing got put together. Yeah, and Brooks had coached at Oregon. Yeah, so I had never, but, you know, I didn't know much about him. I was like, I remember him with the Rams. Um, But, you know, the more, you know, once I got to know him, you know, like, um, you know, he was just, he was just an old school football guy. I mean, he, you know, like he, he was an old school football coach, you know, back, you know, like, like guys like Dick Vermeil and Bill Wall. I mean, you know, guys like that, just old school football coaches that just 
rolled up the sleeves and went to work. There was no gimmicks, no shortcuts. Um, and, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was, everybody called him Grandpa because he, he was kind of, you know, he was, you know, he could get grumpy at times, but he was underneath it all. He was a big softy. Um, right. You know, he, he was a good guy. I liked him. You know, the players, the players really liked him. You know, now, I remember when he first came, um, you know, there were a lot of the Guy Morris holdovers. You know, he, he came in and he, you know, like I said, he was old school. And he, he you know, he might have been, he was different from Guy. And sure. I think a lot of, I think some of the players early on, they, they, they weren't feeling it at first. Um, <laughs> they weren't meshing with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I, and they weren't winning either. You know, they, like I said, they went to and not his first, you know. Oh, yeah. His first few years were pretty rough. Yeah, his years were rough. Um, but I think as he got, as he, once he got his guys in there, um, you know, and they start, you know, you start to see they were slowly getting better and better. Um, you know, uh, yeah. when, when they beat Georgia in 2006, I think that's kind of when the, the light bulb officially came on. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had some good, they had some good teams. Those Andre Wood, I mean, they, you know, you think about, here's the thing about Brooks too. I mean, he put a lot of guys in the pros. He did, Um, didn't he? A a lot of, I mean, you know, like up until that point, Kentucky would get a handful here or there, but I mean, I can think of several guys you know, from those from those Brooks teams that had really good, you know, guys, you know, guys like, you know, Jacob Tammy. I mean, Randall Cobb still playing. Uh, you know, right. Nathan, you know, played for, you know, just, I mean, he played for 10, 12 years in the league. Uh, Wesley Woodard played, had a long career in the league. Uh, you know, just uh, Corey Peters had a long career in the league. So, oh, yeah. you know, he, you know, like the success, you know, like he, the stuff Stoops has been able to do in the last few years, I mean, you know, I think Rich kind of laid the foundation for that. Yeah, I, I do too. It made <laughs> made life a little bit easier, although it was still a, you know, it was still a, a big job for Stoops in the beginning. But yes, I think the foundation that uh, that Brooks laid uh, really was a a big help to him. Of course, we had a, a few years of of Joker Phillips there in between. I know you uh, spent. Let's see. I guess you spent one year with Joker, didn't you? Yeah, but you know, Joker was on. Joker was on uh, Rich Brooks' staff. The right, time. that's true. So, so I mean, I I worked. I knew Joker. I worked with Joker. I mean, you know, and I got along with Joker. And, you know, I really I wanted it to see him do well. Um, you know, uh, I had a I had a UK person um, ask me. You know, kind of off the record was like. Um, what do you think about you know? What do you think about hiring Joker? You know, do you think it'd be a risk? What do you think? And I said, you know, I told him, I, and I, I believe this. And I, I told him, I said, I think he's ready. And you know, I thought he was, and a lot of people thought he was. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, that first year they did go to a bowl game. Sure. And I, I really don't know what went wrong, honestly. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still. Ch- I wasn't. I was gone by the time it had bottomed out. I, I had moved on to CN two, right. so I, I was I wasn't on the beat every day. So, um, but yeah, that was a, you know like the story. You know, home a kid played it. UK loved the program. You know, um, you know gets the job. African American, you know, person. It it 
you know, Mike, you were hoping that it would be a good story, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Now, switching gears to the uh, L basketball side of things, you uh, got to cover uh, a number of years with a legend, Mr. Denny Crumb, and I can only imagine <laughs> how, how much fun and how exciting that was for you. Yeah, well, you know, I, growing up, you know, I grew up in Louisville in the 80s when they were, when you know, in the 80s, Louisville was, you know, what Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and Kansas are now. I mean, exactly. You know, they won two national championships, went to like, I think, six Final Fours or something like that. So, you know, you, I mean, you know, they were a dominant presence in, in, in Louisville um, at, at that time. So, and, you know, I came in at the tail end, you know, when, you know, when, things that kind of started to fall apart there and then of course you know um they might you know they made the move and he you know they worked out of that retirement plan for him um so I, you know but as somebody who grew up in louisville and just saw the you know saw the program rise it was it was neat to to, to you know get to work with a legend like like uh, coach crown oh sure even though it was in his later years and then of course, Rick Pitino came along, and he spent all those years at uh, at Kentucky. I know since you were more, you know, on the the football side of things, you you know, you never got to cover him at uh, at Kentucky. But uh, what was your what was your experience like uh, following Rick and and sort of getting to know him at Louisville? Uh, well, you know, Rick <laughs> Rick was you know Rick knew how to play the game, man. I mean, oh yeah, he was a. Uh, he was a quote machine. Now, you know, he was also full of it at times. I mean, you know, he, but he was entertaining. That's for sure. I mean, he was in it. He was an entertaining guy to cover. Um, he was, um, a very interesting, complex guy. Um, you know, uh, you know, you'd see his brilliance and then, you know, sometimes you would see his petulance come out, you know, sure. But, uh, <laughs> He, he was also, but he was a great coach too. I mean, you know, like he was. You say what you want about Rick, um, you know. You know, you you talk to to twenty people, you might get twenty different opinions on Rick. But say what you want about him, uh, Duke can coach some basketball. I mean, he's proven that, um, you know, time and time again. Um, and you know, he um, he did a he 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 had Louisville. Um, you know, he Louisville was back. Um, you know, he won a title in 2013. Went to, you know, went to the Final Four, and uh, you know, like <laughs> that that Final Four, um, the Anthony Davis, t- the team that won it, um, the Anthony Davis team, when they they played Louisville in the Final, in the final Four uh, in New Orleans, and I was there for that. And I say that's probably that's got. I mean, if that's not number one, it's in my top three of overall experiences as a as a sports um um reporter i think i was at c i was with cn2 at the time at the time yeah yeah but that was <laughs> i could tell just by by listening to it that was a heck of an atmosphere and and a heck of a game too kentucky came out on top but uh, i know louisville you know fought back several times it was tied late in the second half if i remember right yeah, louisville, i mean louisville, louisville made them sweat louisville made them work a little bit they uh, did it was, a, it was an entertaining game. But yes, indeed. But uh, but you're right. Nick, Rick knows the game as good as anybody. In fact, he's still coaching up in uh, Iona these days, the Gales. So. Yeah. Oh, 
you know, he's, you know, he'll, he's, he'll do a good, they'll probably make the tournament. He'll probably get him in the tournament. Uh, I think they missed it last year, but you know, he's going wherever he's at. He's going there. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't flopped anywhere. Oh, I mean, no, you know, no. He's but, always managed to make things exciting where, <laughs> wherever he's been. That's, that's for sure. Now, um, uh, you know, in 2011, you know, your your first notable career change came when you made the move from the Herald Leader over to um, CN2 at Tom Warner in in Louisville. There, so um, what uh, what excited you most about this opportunity? And just out of curiosity, how uh, how hard was it to leave the Herald Leader after nearly 14 years? Well, it was very hard. Because the hardest thing, I mean, you know, to this day, the hard, probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have in my life uh, was when I had to sit down and tell my, my boss, Gene, uh, Gene, that I was leaving. You know, that was very difficult because, you know, I, that was the only place I'd ever worked, really worked. I mean, I had little, you know, odd part-time jobs here, you know, in high school and college, but that was the first real place I worked. I mean, I was comfortable there. I mean, like I said, I you know, um, I worked for my, I worked for a great boss. Um, I had great uh, on a great team uh, with great coworkers. So it was very difficult. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it had reached the point, you know, where at that time, which was 2011, I mean, you could start to you could start to see the handwriting on the wall with regard to newspapers. Um, right. You know, and I just thought at the time it was just the best, it was it was the right career move to make. Uh, if I had an avenue to where I could stay in sports media, you know, be on TV, and then it, it get you know it allowed me the opportunity to be at home in Louisville. You know, I, you know, as hard as it was to leave the Herald Leader, I mean, it was you know at the time it was the. It, for my career, I felt like it was the right move to make. Sure, um, yeah, and yeah. Um, and it ended up, you know, being a good fit for a while. You were at CN2, the director of sports. Yeah, I was the director of sports programming, which mean basically I was kind of the. Yeah, I mean, I was the. You know, like I had I had a show, and then I, you know, then I was kind of the uh, over the, the the over the entire sports team. You know, I was the. I was the lead guy, um, so I was I was all, I was so you know, and that, that was that was demanding, you know, like I said, because I was you know I was doing the show every day, and then I was also the boss, so I had to manage the team and yeah, you know, and the other shows and all that stuff. Yeah, and do a lot of you know do some some administrative stuff, um, but again, that was another great experience for me, man. I mean, just to have the opportunity to have my own show. Um, to, to to just to be recognized, um, and you know, to be able to to do some of the things, you know, like one of the good things about being a CN two was, you know, they, you know, they were pretty open to different ideas, so we were able to do a lot of different things, and um, that some of the traditional stations could do. Um, so yeah, and that, again, that was another great experience for me personally because you know just. Um, it taught me a lot. I learned a lot about, for you know, about life and that experience too, and just um, kind of what it's like. You know, like it was, it was, a, it was strange because I never really thought of it. You know, like it didn't really hit me until 
until I started like going places and people would be, hey, I recognize you from TV. And that was weird to me. That took some getting used to. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine. And I, I'll still, you know, I'll still, you know, there's a guy, um, there's a guy I work out at the Y. There's a guy, an older gentleman at the Y that I see to this day. He says, hey, it's Mr. T calls me Mr. TV, man. Mr. <laughs> TV man, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and I have been. And I left seeing. Let's see. When was, I left seeing two in 2013, I believe. So yeah, yeah um, it, it's been it's been almost ten years, and you know, that I still have people that will come up to me and say, "Hey, I remember you." Know, well, like for you, for example, made the casting call. You know, um, so that that's the good thing about that. You know, like you know, like that that stuff lives in infamy. I mean, you always, you know, you can always look back and, you know, nobody can take that away from you. Know? It, uh, you know, they they certainly cannot. And your show, I know, was my seeing two sports, and you um, uh, you covered, you know, a little bit of Kentucky, a little bit of Indiana sports, uh, kind of a, a big mixed bag, yeah, didn't we, you? Well, yeah. So you know, the other show with Matt Jones, KSTV, that was a UK show. Sure. So when they brought me on board, the, the idea was to, okay, so we've got a UK show. Let's have a show that's U of L and also, you know, like we sprinkled in high school sports. Like, you know, we did some sports around the state, Western, you know, like stuff like that. We did a lot of high school stuff. So it was a U of L slash kind of variety show um, just to kind of, to kind of supplement uh, KSTV, which, um, had launched, had already been launched, and it was already a, a big hit. Um, so, sure. uh, yeah. But yeah, that that was. Um, and, and like I said, we had again, we had we had a broad base of things that we covered, so that allowed us to do, you know, to do some things that you know maybe you know like we. I had thirty minutes a night. You know, the local stations. You know, sports. I don't. I, I don't know how long those their segments are, but. Can't be longer than a few minutes. So no, we were usually to, ten minutes tops. Yeah, so we were able to do a lot of different things, and it, it was it was a fun time, um, you know. And I was working again, working with good people. Um, so uh, yeah, that was that was a great experience overall for me. Yeah, that um, I learned a lot. There. You know, there was your show. There was uh, Matt's KSTV show. There were a few other, you know, politics shows. This and that. Otherwise, it was. Um, it was weather, and it cracked me up. Everybody used to think that all those weather girls that we heard on CM2 were were right there uh, in Louisville, and I actually thought that at first myself, but they weren't, were they? No, you know, I, I'd, have, I'd, you know I'd have buddies calling me up, like, hey, man, you think you can hook me up with that weather girl? Uh, <laughs> so much. And I'm like, dude, I've never met her. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know, you know, like, you know, yeah, I've never even seen this one. Yeah, they thought they thought that we were like that we were all office mates or something. I was like, no, they they send that we don't they send that stuff in. We don't we we don't. I can't help you out there. Bro. Yeah, I think those weather ladies were up in like Minnesota, weren't they, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they were. They were in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, they just we we just got the feeds, you know. But, yeah, yeah, you just got the and and everybody was. You know, when you mention that to people, I'm sure they were fighting back tears because they weren't going to get the hookup. But... Yeah, just, 
disappointed, but I was like, man, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't help. I wish I, I, wish I could help you, man. But. Yeah. <laughs> no luck there. But uh, anyway, after CN2, uh, I think I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you worked uh, you worked for Ford Motor Company for a little while, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You know, like once I, when I, when I left CN2, uh, you know, and I was in the process of kind of, you know, uh, going back to school and, and working on my master's, I did some PR, I, you know, I did some PR for Ford um, for about a year and a half, right, and then, you know, right as I was going into to enrolling at, at the Kent School of uh, um, Social Work um, to work on my master's, and saying, so, you know, like, Ford, that was another, you know, like, you talk about an interesting work environment, man, that was, that was it, you know. Um, oh, I believe it. Yeah, so, you know, you, you know, you, um, that was, again, that was another, you know, Open experience, just uh, learning about you know, like you know, just learning about assembly line work, um, unions, um, and just the people behind them, and like the inner, the inner politics of a you know of an automotive company. You know, it was you know again. I mean, I feel like um, I've been blessed to have a, to have had a lot of experiences, life experiences, where I've been exposed to a lot of different people, a lot of different situations, a lot of different circumstances. Um, and all of that stuff is helping me, you know, has helped me in, in, you know, what I'm doing right now, which I know we'll get into here in a little bit, but yeah. So like, it's like each stage of my life, I've tried to have experiences or I've been fortunate to have been blessed with experiences that, um, you know, that cover a lot of different ground. Um, and that exposed me to a lot of different things. Um, yeah. And just kind of sped up my development, so to speak. Yeah, thanks to your well-rounded background, that's really helped you to to relate well to a lot of people. Well, you know, like, people, I have some, I've had people ask me, so, um, where do you see the parallels between, you know, like, working in sports and working in mental health? I was like, well, you know, if you can deal with coaches and players and, and, you know, athletic directors and, you know, some of the drama that goes on behind. If you can have, if you, I mean, dealing with that prepares you pretty much to deal with anybody. Yeah, you know? if you can deal with them, you can handle just about anybody. Yeah, yeah there's nothing you can throw at me that's going to intimidate me or, or make me feel like, you know, like going to back me into a corner. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, sports, is a, sports is a microcosm. You know, like it's, it's a representative. It's a rep. I mean, like in sports, you have all different personalities, backgrounds. You have problems. You have, you know, we see we see what goes on out on the field in between the lines. But you know, there's a lot to go. You know, um, all the people involved are regular people. You know, with families, with problems, with you know, with pressure. You know, like they deal with a lot of stuff now. You know, some of them are probably are making a lot more money than we are, but, you know, like, they're still dealing with a lot of the problems, you know, like, um, so, uh, that, again, working and, you know, looking back on it now, like, uh, if I hadn't had that experience working in sports, transitioning to social work and therapy would have been a lot harder for me than it was. Oh, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> you know, I did, that did benefit you uh, in your, your transition for sure. Now, what uh, what exactly interested you in the, uh, you know, in the, the realm of, 
of uh, mental health. How did you become interested in that? And uh, how did you find the inspiration to to, to go back to school and, and get a, a master's degree at that point in your life? Because I'll tell you, that would I can only imagine how hard that was. I know a lot of people wouldn't be motivated to do that, <laughs> you know, by that point in their in their life and their careers. Oh, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely challenging, but you know, I I just I was um at that I was still trying I'm still I, I was looking for something. You know, like I I still like I enjoyed my time in sports and it was great and I like I'm so I'm, I re- I realized how I was fortunate and I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. It was you know, a once in a lifetime thing, but I never you know, I reached the point to where I was like, I didn't feel like that was my true calling in life. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I came to realize that helping people was. So um, the Kent School of Social Work, they had an informational session one night. Um, and this was when I was still just kind of contemplating getting into, you know, get going to back to school and get my master's. Uh-huh. So, so I went to the informational and, I listened and it all sounded good and all that. Um, and I was on my way out the door, and then the late there was a, the lady who was the uh, the lady who did the presentation. She worked at the Kent School. Um, she was a professor, so she stopped me right there, and she said, "You have to do this. We need you." <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she saw something in you right then that night, huh? Yeah, yeah. She stopped. I mean, yeah. I was about to walk out the door. I was like, "Thank you." She was like, "Hold on a minute, hey, we need you. You got to do this." <laughs> and that stuff, I was like, "Wow," you know, like I mean, it's okay, let's do it. Um, and it, it didn't it was, take her long to to reach that conclusion that you needed to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, you know, like I mean, obviously, you know, you know, they need. Number one, they needed males, um, you know, like social, you know, like, uh, you know, social work um, is a female-dominated profession, so, you know, males have, you know, opportunities, and then African-American male to work, you know, to work with some of the youth, I mean, that, so, and that's what she saw, but anyway, so, um, now, the going back to school part, that was the, that was the part that stunk, you know, like, I, yeah. you know, like, I never, you know, I've always been a capable student, but I was never a great student just because I, I never really liked school. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I did it because I had to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but I was never, you know, like, I was never one of these people that, you know, killed myself academically. I mean, I did okay. I mean, I should have done better, but I did enough. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but okay, so that's my mentality. I'm 40. You know, I'm in my early 40s, and I'm going back to school. So that, I mean, it was a challenge, man. I mean, I it believe was hard. it. We had to, you know, uh, I, I can't say that. I, you know, I can't. Looking back on my graduate school experience, I can't really say it was all that great. I didn't really enjoy it. Uh-huh. But I, fit, I did it. You know, I did what I had to do um, to get to get the diploma. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, once I got that finished up, it was just about you know finding the right opportunities um, for what I wanted to do. 
yeah, and you just you know locating your your niche. But I can I can only imagine how challenging it was because you were going to school and uh, pursuing a master's degree, and 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 you were working all the while too, right? Yeah, I was working. I was I was I was working at Ford during that time. Um, you know, so yeah, it was it was um, it was one of the most hectic, chaotic time periods in my life. You know, like during that time, you know, like. Um, well, you know, like I really, I had started to see a therapist, um, shortly before all of that. And I had, I saw what, um, I saw how, you know, talking to a therapist and working with a therapist, you know, the impact that it had on me. Um, I think, you know, that number one, I think it helped me to, to be able to, to meet all the demands that I had to meet in order to get, to reach my goals. You know, therapy was big in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made me realize, you know, like, this is what I want to do. Um, because I had, you know, I was the type of guy that, you know, growing up and even as in my adult life, I, would all, I was the guy that talked to people about their problems a lot. You know, a lot of my friends, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, people I worked with or whoever. You know, whoever was in my life, and you know, we would sit around and talk, and I would, you know, we talk about stuff, and I, you know, give advice. I mean, not you know, and also I was always that guy anyway. Um, so I'm like, well, let's make a career out of it. Let's see if we can make a career out of it. There you um, go. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you've been doing that for the past several years now. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I'm in my fourth year. Um, Working with Jefferson County Public Schools, I'm a uh, I'm an associate for reengagement and transition. I work with kids in alternative schools when they get out of alternative schools and uh, transfer back into the regular school system. I kind of work with them to make sure they stay on track and um, stay on the right path and don't return to alternative school. There you go. Um, so you're sort of that that middleman there between yeah, yeah, <laughs> alternative yeah. and regular school. Yeah, yes, sir. And uh, and I also uh, I have my own practice, um, Cosby Mental Health and Wellness, where um, I see clients um, um, in the late afternoon, early evenings. Um, and I work with, you know, individuals, families, couples, um, children, adults. Um, you know, I try to, you know, I, I try to keep my keep my caseload fairly low because, you know, I, you don't one thing about social work they tell you don't you know you got to be careful to try and avoid burnout sure um, so i try to keep my caseload for my private practice manageable so i don't burn out but um i enjoy that um i enjoy working with the kids man so I, you know I, I you know like i told you i, I feel like this I, I feel like i'm doing what i was sent here to do what i'm supposed to be doing um i'm doing um work that i know that i am effective at and that I'm having an impact on people, you know, like I'm trying yeah. to help people get better. Um, so that, you know, like that's, that's, that's fulfilling to me. Um, I think that really is kind of, like I said, that's what, I think that's what my purpose is and uh, I'm enjoying it. Now it is tough for me, you know, again, um, you're working with a lot of, uh, I'm working with a lot of, um, young people who have a, are dealing with a lot of problems. Um, and so your success rate 
is not going to be a hundred percent. Sure. But you know, like my 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 goal is, you know, like at the very least, I want all young people, you know, to when they think back later in life, they'll remember that hey, you know, he was there for me, or he took an interest in me, or he he you know he seemed like he cared about my well being. If I can just if, if if I can have that kind of effect on them, then that's a win for me. You know. Oh sure. Yeah, it's um, always gratifying to know that you're making the difference in um, other people's lives, even if it's not everybody you work with. You know, it's if it's a. As for the others, you know, the the uh, the counselor can't do it all. The client has to put forth some effort too. So you know, it's got to work both ways. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, like, and that that's usually, and you know, like, you hit the nail on the head. That's usually the, the determining factor. The ones who want to, the ones who really want to do it. At least they have a chance. They'll have a chance. If they, if, if, if you don't, if the client or the student doesn't want it, it's not going to happen. You know, no. if they really want it, then there's a chance. But if, if they don't want it, yeah, you can do you can do the best work you can do, and it's, it's going to be difficult. Exactly. So yeah, they've got it. <laughs> the will to succeed has to be there for for uh, the the clients for sure. So between uh, your your students in the Jefferson County Schools and your uh, your private practice, there uh, there aren't too many dull moments in the life of Chip Cosby, are there? <laughs> no, nah, man. You know that's just yeah. I mean, I've just come to that's just how that's how I roll. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I would I wouldn't know it any other way, but I. You know, like, I, I do, you know, um, as much as I miss, you know, there, there are parts of sports that I miss, but, uh, you know, like, one of my favorite things that I get to do now is on Saturdays and Sundays, I can just sit on my couch and watch games all day. That's kind I of mean, a luxury, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I mean, I take, I, I don't take it for granted, you know, because when, when I was out in the field, you know, I was... I was working every weekend, you know, I couldn't sit at home and enjoy, you know, I can watch, you know, I can flip back and forth between four or five games, you know, I really do, you know, I enjoy being, I enjoy, you know, like I, like I said, there are parts about the everyday grind that I miss, not, you know, not, there are, there are a lot of parts I don't miss, I mean, the main thing I miss is just, you know, the relationships and just the memories, I don't miss the day-to-day grind. No. Uh, and I'm enjoying, you know, just being able to watch games and enjoy it. Yeah, I just sit on the couch. Plus, you're free of the elements like snow and wind and all that fun uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm comfortable. Yeah, don't have to deal with, you know, huge crowds, you know. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, I, I, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving where I'm able to do sports at from now. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's something you've worked hard to enjoy. And I know it's, uh, you know, it's definitely something that, that you look forward to on the weekends. Well, uh, Chip, this has been great. I know that uh, we've all learned a lot and gained a lot of great insight into your career. Now, if um, people might need some assistance or think they could use some, or maybe they know somebody who could from uh, from you, or maybe perhaps you could steer them to somebody uh, that could help them to get uh, get back on track and go in the right direction, how would you... Uh, how would you recommend that people contact you? Um, you can just shoot me an email. My email is um, Cosby, my last name, C-O-S-B-Y, Chip, C-H-I-P, Cosby Chip, one word, at Gmail. 
Um, and if you know of anybody who needs some assistance, yeah, just shoot me an email and, you know, I'll be able to, you know, I can give you a referral or point you in the right direction of where you, where you need to go. There you go. So if he can't help you himself, he'll <laughs> he'll uh, steer you to somebody who can. So it's his name backwards. I, 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 take, I, I do have some slots available, so I am ta- I will take new clients, so sure. Like, you know, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, but if I, like you said, if I can't, if I can, I will definitely turn you on to somebody who can. Indeed. So, uh, Cosby Chip, all one word, all lowercase, at uh, at gmail.com. Well, two words, but no space. So, <laughs> Cosby Chip at, uh, at gmail.com. He's also got a Cosby mental health and wellness page uh, on Facebook, I noticed, so you can learn yes. more about him there. And I know that. Uh, Thanks, too. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and you can <laughs> send him a message on. on yeah, yeah, yeah. I checked out. Yeah, I'll get your I'll get your uh, instant messages uh, through the Facebook page. Yeah, it's another great outlet for you to learn even more about Chip. Well, thanks so much for joining us, sir. I sure have enjoyed it. I hope you have. Oh yes, yeah, Sam. Like I said, it was great catching up, buddy. Uh, best of luck to you and, and your endeavors. And and again, yeah, it was a great conversation, man. I appreciate. It. Like I said, I. I'm flattered that you thought enough to, to give me a call, and I really enjoyed it. Well, I, I I tell you, it was a pleasure having you on, and we'll have to get together and uh, watch some sports and eat some wings sometime. That sounds good, buddy. You take care. Have a, have a happy Thanksgiving. Chip Cosby. I tell you, he's sort of drifted away from the cameras and the microphones in recent years since becoming a mental health counselor. It was so great to hear his voice again. I know you all missed it, too, and enjoyed it. And I sure appreciate Chip coming on the show with me. Now, make sure you check out his website, which I'll link you to in my show notes, okay? If you or somebody you know could possibly benefit from his services, I know he'd be delighted to hear from you and uh, enlighten you on everything that he provides. So uh, use the link in the show notes to access Chip's webpage, learn more about him, and keep him in mind for anything that you may need along those lines, okay? And uh, Chip was a great guest, very insightful and entertaining. He set the bar quite high, to say the least. But I know that there are plenty of other people that have done great things, or maybe they're continuing to do great things, and they are worthy of a spotlight. I know about some of those people, but I'm humble enough to admit to you that I don't even come close to knowing about all of those people. And that's where I need your assistance, okay? Listener feedback is always welcome and appreciated around here. My email address is bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Whether it's a restaurant in the state that you've loved for years or maybe it's a, a, a newcomer restaurant that's trying to get its feet off the ground, Well, I'm glad to promote either or or both. A state park that you're really fond of, a musician that's either well-established or trying to get that away, educators making a difference across the state, healthcare professionals. I have interviewed all of those types of people, and I'm always open to new and different suggestions. So don't be bashful about sending me that email. Also... Don't be bashful about reaching out to me on the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which I need you to like and follow, okay? Because all of my previous shows are there. If you're new, you certainly don't have to have heard any of the previous shows to enjoy the future shows. But we think you'll enjoy 
uh, a fair number of the guests that we featured, uh, just as much as I enjoyed talking to them, okay? So make sure you check out the archives and the uh, previous shows that we have posted. Also, you can stay up to date with teasers that we present on future plans for the show. We do teasers about once a week or so. And, of course, you can make comments and leave messages through that avenue as well. Now, Thanksgiving week, we're not going to be here. Don't hold that against us. We will come back at you with a brand new episode the week after Thanksgiving. That would be November the 30th, the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we will be back here with a full belly, and we hope that you'll have a full belly as well and come on back because mark my words when I say that you are the glue that keeps this show together, okay? We couldn't possibly do it without you. So we look forward to having you back here in two weeks. But before we bid you adieu this time around and uh, start the meal preparations for the Big Turkey Day, let's give you the long-awaited answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. And it involves, like we said, Chip Cosby's former employer, the Lexington Herald-Leader. Uh, the Herald-Leader... Um, is a result of two newspapers that combined back in the day. Of course, you used to have the Lexington Herald and the Lexington Leader. They were two separate entities. And I want to know, in what year did those two newspapers merge to form the Herald Leader? That would be 1983. January 1st of that year, to be exact. So, New Year's Day of 1983, the Herald and the Leader merged to become what we now know as the Lexington Herald Leader and what we've known it as for, gosh, <laughs> it's coming up on 40 years of being the Herald Leader, believe it or not, because uh, Jan 1, 2023 is creeping up on us. And on, on that day, the uh, Herald Leader will celebrate its, uh, its 40th anniversary. Now, the Lexington Herald, before it merged with the Leader, the Herald dates back to, I think, the late 1800s, if I remember right. But uh, it's been the uh, Herald Leader since the merger, since 1983. And that's your answer of the Bluegrass Brain Buster. Come on back in a couple weeks for another one. And remember that you can listen and subscribe to Blabbit in the Bluegrass, absolutely free of charge via numerous podcast directories, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal. We've added several new directories as well, including iHeartRadio, Boomplay, Amazon Music, and even a few others. So if we're not a part of your favorite podcast directory yet, Email me, Facebook me, let me know about that, and I will do everything in my power to make sure that the show is available via that platform as soon as humanly possible. So have yourself a fabulous Thanksgiving as we kick off yet another holiday season. Be festive, be safe in your travels while you're laughing, smiling, and blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. 
With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.